0: Hello, this is Daniel Guzman and welcome to another edition of Commitment to Truth, the outreach ministry of Commitment Community Church, a place for all nations. To learn more about Commitment, please visit our website at www.commitmentchurch.org. Like us on Facebook and even download our mobile app by typing in Commitment Community Church. Now let's enjoy today's message from our pastor, Cedric Brown.
1: Father, please change us all from the inside out, that, that we may not be the same, and that we may be the salt and the light that you have called us to be in this dark world. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we all said, "Amen." Amen. You may be seated. All right. Now, listen. Before I get into a new sermon series, um, there is something probably you've you've received. It's a Christmas care package for Michael Jones and his unit and other Air Force units stations at Qatar. And uh, I guess it has a list of different uh, items you can uh, graciously pour into a box that's in the foyer. Uh, So just prayerfully consider this. um, And I'm not for sure how long the box will be out there, uh, but but please, you know, if you can, drop something in there, okay? Uh, For not only Mike Jones, who's a part of our church, but also other servicemen and women, who are faithfully serving our country and others. Amen? Amen. All right. Today, I'm, I'm beginning a new series I've entitled for you, The Gift. and It is Unwrapping uh, the Precious Gift of Jesus Christ. Unwrapping the Gift of Jesus Christ. Now, when we think of the gift of Jesus during the season, uh, what do you think of? Uh, typically, it's, it's normally the entrance of Jesus into our space and time as this precious baby boy, wrapped in swaddling clothing, uh, laying in a manger, surrounded by angels and animals and average shepherds uh, men and astronomers called wise men who followed this wonderful, big, bright star uh, to Bethlehem to find this baby boy Jesus in a manger. So many times we capture this picture and we we have figurines and so forth around, around our tree, around our houses, in the different neighborhoods and so forth. But at the end of the day, Is that really what Christmas is all about? Uh, My desire in this series is to simply remind us that it's more than just a baby in a manger, right? It's more than just Jesus, uh, the baby Jesus, if you would, in the manger, never growing up. But understanding that this gift is this, is that this baby eventually became a man to die so that we may live. So uh, in unwrapping uh, the gift, what I like to do is just take you on a journey prior to the death of Jesus Christ. Prior to his death, when he grew up and he had to uh, ultimately be betrayed and abandoned so that we would never, ever have to be. Uh, He was also in bondage and and abused, so we would never have to be uh, in bondage and abused again. He was rejected by man, and listen to this, also God, so that we would never, ever be rejected again by man or even by God. And lastly that he died willingly so that we will never ever have to die again. That's his promise. So that being said, we're gonna be in um, the book of Mark, chapter 14 and 15, in part, and there's some other verses that we will we will dive into. So if you can turn with me to Mark chapter four, begin with verses number 22 through 46. Mark chapter 14, pardon me, verses 22. Through 46. Mark 14 22 through46. Just again, a quick review of en route to Jesus's death there's about, uh, there's about four things we'll cover and the first one we will cover today is that uh, Jesus Christ being betrayed and abandoned so that we will never ever have to be betrayed and abandoned again for the rest of our lives. Mark chapter 14, starting with verse 22 it says, While they were eating, he took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to them and said, take it, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Twenty six, after singing in hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. Verse 28, it says, But after I have been raised, I will go up go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away, yet I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you that This very night, before a rooster crows twice, you yourself will deny me three times. Verse 31, it says, but Peter kept saying insistently, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And we know, story goes, what happened? He denied him three times, right? But listen to the last part of verse 31, which many times we all just look over. It says, and they all were saying the same thing also. So really it was just a matter of choice of who really denied him three times publicly because all of them were saying the same thing. We won't deny you, we won't deny you, but what happened? At the end of the day, all of them scattered as he said that they were scattered, right? So here we find the first reality is in route to Jesus' death, Jesus, this is the first place of abandonment. That Jesus, of course, was abandoned by Peter. And many times Peter, he gets highlighted, right? But at the end of the day, all of them abandoned him, excluding probably John, we can say. But then if you look further, uh, we see Jesus being abandoned again in verses 37 through 41, It says, and he came and found them. This is when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying his heart out before God and sweating drops of blood. He says, and he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping. For their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And then look at verse 41. And he came again the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Is it not enough? The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. So here you find, again, Jesus being betrayed or being abandoned, if you would, in this context in these verses. Uh, again, a second time, three times he comes to us. Hey, guys, can you stay awake? You know, can you kind of walk with me through this time? And they're all just catching Z's like nothing's ever happening. But then look at the third point as in route to Jesus's death, verses 43 through 46. Again, the first two, he was abandoned. But then now we find Jesus' uh, historic betrayal found in verse 43. It says, immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, came up accompanied by a crowd with swords and clubs who were from the chief priests and scribes and the elders. Now he who was betraying him had given them a signal saying, "Whomever I kiss, he is the one; seize him and lead him away under guard." After coming, Judas immediately went to him saying, "Rabbi," and kissed him. They laid hands on him and seized him. So here again you find a route to the cross again, Jesus being ab- abandoned and betrayed. Now, again, Today, we're only going to focus on Jesus being abandoned and betrayed so we will never have to. Now, I want to give you a summary verse as relates to Jesus' uh, life on this earth and his, his progression towards the cross, again, so that we can wrap our heads and heart around what Jesus Christ truly did for us during this Christmas season. If you can look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, and we're going to revert back to this every part of the series to remind us again that this is the essence of of Jesus' torment on earth, uh, his experience on earth, so that we will not have to repeat these experiences. You follow me? Even though we may feel it, even though it may be in front of our faces, even though we may hear it, but we don't have to go back into it again like Jesus so graciously uh, marked before us. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, right? Jesus as a baby, grown to be a man. Jesus, the son of God, let us do what? Hold fast our confession. In other words, what we believe, who we are in Jesus Christ. Verse 15 says this. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Ever been weak? It says, but one, capital O, who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Why is this so important? Verse 16, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Why? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us. In time of need. You hear that? So every single thing that Jesus experienced, this abandonment, this betrayal, this is part of what he experienced just as we do. And he is what? He can sympathize with our weaknesses. He can sympathize with the times that we feel like bailing out, throwing in a towel, giving up, quitting. But remember, he said he did it yet without what? Sin. So because of that, here's the person we can now draw to, we can draw to his greater grace and say, you know what, Jesus, I feel like quitting, feel like giving up, but empower me, strengthen me. Let me not walk the same steps that you walk. Let me believe that you have done it for me. Let me rest in the fact that you have gone before me as the precious gift of uh, of God through Jesus Christ so that I will not have to continue to repeat history over and over and over and over again. So because Jesus Christ was betrayed and abandoned, here's our gift. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. And there's about three things we're going to just extract from these verses. The first is found in verses 1 through 5a. Verses 1 through 5a, Jesus was betrayed and abandoned so that we would never have to. Now, as we read this, verses 13, 1 through 5a, Understand the context, and even prior to that, it talks about there's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And it's this kingdom and this hope that is found anew. Christ, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So Christ came to establish a kingdom, not an earthly kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So then that's when it it then ties into chapter 13, which now, interesting enough, talks about relationships because that's where abandonment is and disappointment and betrayal occurs. Doesn't occur, listen, my animal's not gonna betray me. Okay? My car doesn't betray me. You just get a new car. People betray me, people abandon me. We don't get over people, we can get over a car, we just buy a new car. Breaks down, Was well, unreliable. We say things like that, right? We say the same thing about people, but we get over cars. Just give me a new one. Never think about it again. Give me a new husband. I guarantee you the old one always appears in a new marriage. Right? People is the issue. That's why you look at that in verse 13, chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 1, it says, let love of the brethren continue, people, people, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, people, for by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. So listen, if you have a problem with the people who are strangers, what can I tell you, just in case you don't like the people, they may not just be people. That's how smart God is, is that if you got a problem with dealing with that person, uh, get over yourself, because that person you may have a problem with may not be a person at all. Interesting. Verse 3, remember the prisoners, because normally we don't, as though in prison with them, even though I may never be. And those who are ill-treated, even though I feel like I'm ill-treated, since you yourselves are in the body, if my pinky hurts, my entire body hurts. If I stump my toe, my entire body hurts. Everything is connected, right? And then listen to this. He now dies into marriage. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. The marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. And then listen to what he gets into. Money of all things because this is is all this emotional connection, right? Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, right? Because most of the time, God, where are you? I can't pay my rent, right? We can get through so many other things, right? But, well, you know, I can't pay my car payment. God, where are you? Oh, God, where are you? Where are you? Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Right? Right? But he says to you and I, he will never do what? Desert you. This is our first point. Because Jesus Christ was abandoned, because Jesus Christ was betrayed, we will never be deserted. No matter if it's in relationships, no matter if it's in imprisonment, Or if someone you know is in prison, no matter if it's in the context of marriage, no matter if it's in the context of fornicating as a single man or woman, no matter if in whatever context it is, financially, he says, guess what? You will never emphatically be what? Deserted, period. This word deserted means it's to send back. You will never be sent back. Think about that, church. He bought you, and he says to you in this Christmas season, even if it's the wrong gift, you will not be rejected. You will not be sent back. There's no return receipt with you. There is no return receipt for anyone he has purchased with his blood. He will not send you back. The word desert also means to leave. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you behind. Then he says he will uphold you or he will not cause you to sink or allow you to sink. Remember the terms we use? I'm in over my head. He will not allow you to sink. He will uphold you even if it feels like it. Even if you're thinking that you're sinking, the sand that you will stand on, if it's Jesus, the rock, right, you will never sink. Christ coming to die gives us eternal security, church. It gives you eternal security that he will uphold his promises. He will uphold his promises. That's just what he does. But then we also find in the latter part of verse five, our second point, it says, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself said, I will never desert you. Never, right? Keyword. Nor will I ever, which is also never, do what? Forsake you. I won't desert you, first of all. And secondly, because he was abandoned, because he was betrayed, he will never do what forsake you. The word forsake means is to abandon, to desert, to leave helpless. And I'm sure there's many times that you and I, we all feel do we feel what helpless. I just don't know what to do. I can't do this. I can't see a way out. I don't know how to get through this. I can't get, you know, through to her. I can't get through to him. I can't believe in how they're treating me. Right. At the end of the day, he says you will not feel you will not be helpless, even though you may feel helpless. But here's the dilemma. Most of the time we turn to another source than the one who can do what help us. That's why we remain in a helpless state. Because time and history shows other people, other places and other things cannot help me. Listen, I can have a. a, I could be having a terrible life at this moment. I can go on vacation, feel good for a moment, come back, and still be helpless. Right? I can say, oh, well, you know, I grew up in a hood, and I never had anything, and, and you know, my daddy left me, and all the horrific stories, which are true, which are real, which are painful, I grow up and say, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and get my master's. I'm going to get my doctorate. I'm going to make me a six-figure income. I'm going to do this, and you get it all, and still feel helpless. Oh, right? I'm single, and you know, in temptation, and, and I need a man, and I need a woman, and then you get married and fill out and realize how really, really, really helpless you are. <laughs> and those of you who are married know what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just that's just the reality. Right? I mean, it goes with kids, right? Oh, I can't believe it. I'm, you know, I don't have any children. And Oh, God, Jesus, help me get pregnant. and Oh, right, we need children. You have children, and you're like, okay, can we send them back? <laughs> right? I mean, it goes on and on. Well, you know, my kids, I can't wait till they grow up. And, you know, get out of the house and all these things, right, to get out of the house. You know, why, why don't you call me? You remember me? <laughs> I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. Because, <laughs> because there is no one or nothing that can ever, ever get you out of that helpless state but Jesus. Christ coming to die gives us assurance that, listen, even in our darkest hours, We will not be forsaken. So listen, we will never be deserted. We will never be forsaken. And then verses 6 through 8 gives us our last point, which we alluded to in our second. It says this. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my what? Helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? He didn't say, well, you know, what will my car do to me? Some inanimate object. What, what will, you know, uh, the atmosphere do to me? You know, global, what will global warming do to me? He didn't even say, well, what will my bank account do to me? Because again, abandonment and betrayal has to do with people. But what will... Man, what could man ever do to me? Now listen to what it goes on to say. <laughs> Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. In other words, these other men and women in your life should be men and women who also are modeling that. I know confidently that he will never do what, desert me, and he will never do what, forsake me, and I know that he's my help. They're, they also know that, that, that Jesus Christ is their helper, so listen to what he says to them. He says, imitate their faith. Side note is this, is then, well, who am I following if I can't imitate? If they, Am I following people who always feel as though God is deserting them, God is forsaking them, and that God is not their helper? Well, should I be even around them, honestly? But then listen to what it leads up to. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same what? And for what? Ever. That says he won't change. He's the real deal, and he's just not going to flip the the script on you and bail out on you, even though other people will, and even people you love. That's just the reality. You You can love. Children, they will flip on you. You can love mom and dad; they will flip on you. You can love you can love your job and your boss, and I guarantee you, your boss will flip on you one day. I mean, everything. That's that's. Don't be surprised when it happens, because it happens to us all. Everyone at least is deserving of a bad day. So even if that person that you you idolize and, and you, you're you like, man, I really want to follow them as they follow Christ. And, and, and please give me a pass. There'll be a day that I will wake up and say, you know what? I don't feel good today. I don't like you. <laughs> you know? And, and we should get, in other words, we get, get a pass to realize that, man, not nev- everybody doesn't wake up always in a good mood and always everything going well for them. That's not the real world. It's not the real world it's not real life but when it does happen understand that we have someone else who doesn't desert me who doesn't forsake me and who will always help me through it and that's why if you look at the third point the word helper is is a combination of two greek words the two greek words are this it's it's uh it's boah which means to outcry, and theo, which means to run. So this is what it's kind of saying, is that we have the paraclete, the Scripture says, who is the Holy Spirit, who is the what? Helper, who does what? Who's our advocate, who cries out for us. And see, the times that we want to speak up for ourselves are the times we shouldn't say a word. Because our helper will set it up so that he will say what he needs to say on your behalf. But then the word theo means to run, so I tie this into that he not only speaks for you, but he would do what? Run out in front of you. And think about that context, that he will run out in front of you, in any scenario that you are about to be deserted, he will head it off. Any situation that you will be uh, forsaken, he is running out in front of you, heading it off at the pass, so you don't have to do anything about it. but we got to give him a chance to do it. We can't get so uncomfortable and be under such duress that we feel that we have to be the one always speaking up for ourselves. Give the helper opportunity. Nor should we feel that we have to always put our foot in stuff and and our hands in stuff, but give God time to run out in the head of us to do it for us. Because he wants to be our helper. The gift of Jesus gives us this great confidence that he will always be our greatest helper, church. He will always be our greatest helpers. Now, let me summarize this real quickly in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm sure this is a very familiar passage to many of us, but in this context, it's real good to read it together. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, it says this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing of greatness of the power be of God and what? Not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but what? Not crushed. We're perplexed, but what? Not despairing. Persecuted, but what? There's that key word again. Same word that we found in Hebrews. Okay, it says struck down, but what? Always care- Listen to what verse 10 says. This is crucial because it ties it together. Always caring about in the body the dying of who? So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. That Jesus Christ was abandoned and betrayed so that you won't have to. So that you can live life with but nots. I feel it, but not it's real, but not it's painful, but not. I can hear it, but not. I can see it, but not. I know they did it to me, but not. I know they're talking about me, but not. You follow me that we can live life because Jesus Christ was crushed, was perplexed, was Abandoned was forsaken that we can say, but not. Jesus went through this so I can live victoriously and says, you know what? I'm not being living in this 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 fantasy world. I feel it. I feel the disappointment, but it's not going to overtake me. It's not going to consume me. It's not going to keep me up at night. It's not going to cause me to worry. It's not going to cause me to act like they are acting towards me. But not, but not, but not, but not. So that I can do what? It says, always carry about in the body the dying of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. So that people can look and say, Jesus is alive. The boy has grown up. You follow me? The boy has grown up, and he and Jesus is alive, man. He's alive, and he's alive where? In me. He's alive in me. Let me in with this. Julius Caesar, who was uh, assassinated, it says on March fifteenth, uh, the year forty four, um, was was was, I guess, taken by surprise because it is said also that one of the worst scenarios and places to be betrayed is by a family member or a friend. So Julius Caesar, during uh, the time that his conspirators were to assassinate him, um, he had, I guess, a trusted or favored uh, man by the name of Marcus Junius Brutus. And they say he favored him as a son. And according to historians, when these uh, conspirators were coming to assassinate him, he resisted, he resisted, meaning Julius Caesar resisted, resisted, and resisted until he saw Brutus with him with a sword. So what he, they said he did was he, he pulled over his, his garment, over his face, and they said, they ask this. This he asks the famous question. He says, "You too, Brutus." Here's the awesome thing: because Jesus Christ was betrayed and abandoned, you will never have to say, "You too, Brutus," because Jesus Christ was forsaken, abandoned, abused in your place. What can Brutus's do to you? Nothing. If God be for you, what can Brutus do to you? Kill you? Where are you going to be? Going home to Jesus. That's the worst thing a person could do to you. Kill your reputation? Uh, But not. Right? Just remember, but not. Yeah, it's painful, but not. So, at the end of the day, your, your precious promise, church, is this. If God be you through the finished work of Jesus Christ, the life, the, the abandonment, the, the betrayal of Jesus Christ, what can Brutus ever do to you? Let's bow our heads. Today, do you have a Brutus in your life? Is there someone maybe close to you that has abandoned you, betrayed you, or maybe you just feel that you're just out there by yourself?
0: Thanks for listening to Commitment to Truth, the outreach ministry of Commitment Community Church. If you want to know about Jesus Christ, please visit commitmentchurch.org forward slash start. This website will walk you through having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Or if you would like to support God's word through this ministry, please visit our website at commitmentchurch.org. Lastly, if you or your family are in the South Jersey area or Philly metro area, please visit us at Commitment Community Church. Again, I'm Daniel Guzman, and thanks for listening.